0: Hi guys, I'm Emma and I'm Julie and welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel I am. I am so excited to talk about Courtney and Kim take New York episode one
1: Me too. And we watched it as kind of a cushion to season five episode 11 in case We didn't have enough to talk about with that one and it ended up being one of the best episodes we've watched
0: when Kanye West walks into the unfinished Dash New York store in Soho and Kim says, Mr. West is in the building. I'm sorry, one of my favorite moments of television ever.
1: I got the chills. I don't know how it's possible, like given everything, I got the chills, but I I felt like we were watching history be made.
0: I know. I mean, we just finished that episode literally five minutes ago. And when that happened, Julie and I looked at each other and paused it and we're like, holy shit. I cannot believe they have on camera one of their first real interactions. Obviously they had been friends, but this was, I think, one of, if not the first televised one.
1: No, it was. It was the first appearance on the show. And that moment was so crazy. I feel like when we see that played back, it just shows them Mr. West is in the building part. I forgot there's a whole second part to that scene where Scott and Kanye end up bantering a little and they have a whole conversation and Courtney comes in like, The scene was so much more than just their first initial uh, TV appearance.
0: I know. And we'll talk about this later on when we do that episode. But I do want to kind of discuss the Scott and Kanye relationship because I'm really curious not only what it was at the time when they were married and things were great, but also throughout the divorce process, I'm just interested in how their relationship has evolved or changed or what it was to start out with because based on the brief interaction we see in this episode they got along great.
1: Yeah they did. I mean there's this really funny moment actually where Kanye says something about being likable like how he's changed and he's likable and Scott says that he did the same like there seems to be this little understanding between the two of them even then even in their first what I think is their first interaction or meeting and I just wonder how that plays out not only during the course of their relationship when Kim and Kanye were together, but even now.
0: Totally. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first, let me give you guys a rundown for what this episode is going to be. Because of course, the Variety article came out and I know one would maybe assume that we'd spend this episode talking about that. But we kind of had the conversation that it's already Friday and nothing really has happened news-wise. So We hope, of course, that we get something else over the weekend, but we feel like we'd really be screwing ourselves for content for Monday. So this episode, we're going to do the season five finale and then episode one of Courtney and Kim Take New York. And then on Monday, I mean, I can't imagine that we don't spend at least 30 minutes talking about the article, the quotes that are going viral, the video. I mean, just a full discussion on it.
1: I think it's also nice to let the dust settle a little bit before we discuss it.
0: Yeah, I love doing really timely episodes when it's something that feels so urgent, but nothing is changing over the next two days.
1: Yeah, and I do think it will still be completely relevant on Monday.
0: Of course, and clearly there are so many headline-making things from that article and that video, but on top of that, What about just the peak conversation? I mean, Kim gave us so much insight into what's being filmed, what she's comfortable filming. You know, I never thought we would get that. And I kind of feel like our prayers were answered on that front. So we'll reserve that conversation for Monday, but don't think that a full analysis on that isn't coming because it absolutely is. Absolutely. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw-on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy. Staples. Like, that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So, by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash cbc for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash cbc to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash cbc. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor, it's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliyai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So the season five finale, we're not going to go through it scene by scene just because we don't think that would be the most enjoyable listening experience for you guys. But some of the major plots that we'll discuss are Chris feeling a little bit bored by Caitlin and just wanting her to be slightly more adventurous. We have Kim dating Miles Austin because if you remember last episode, she was introduced to him and that started to progress. The whole family goes to New York for 4th of July and for Chloe's birthday. And we get to see Kim and Miles a little bit more there. And then lastly, we see Courtney toying with the idea of opening Dash New York and her spending more time there, which is a very seamless lead-in to Courtney and Kim Take New York, which we will get into in full detail.
1: One of my favorite parts of this episode is that the plot points within the major plot points were actually – bigger for me than anything else. For example, within the Caitlin and Chris plotline of Chris not thinking that Caitlin was fun or adventurous enough, we got to really explore that dynamic between Caitlin and Rob, which is a rarity. And then also with the Kim and Miles Austin plotline, we got to see the real end of her relationship in the aftermath of the breakup with Reggie. And that was a detail that I had completely forgotten about. In my mind, the relationship with Reggie just kind of fizzled.
0: Well, there's two separate things happening here with Reggie because, on one hand, Kim's dealing with kind of her fear, or I guess I could say more her discomfort about the fact that she's dating someone else in the NFL. You know, she doesn't know how that will land with Reggie. And you see, she's visibly uncomfortable about that. But, second of all, To your point, we didn't really get to see the fallout because in my mind, I always viewed their relationship as just coming to an end amicably. And it's not that it didn't, but there was some pent up resentment. Because for example, there's a scene where Reggie calls her because the stories about her and Miles are going everywhere. And she's in the office with Courtney, Chloe, Rob, and she has him on speakerphone and she's like, I don't really know what to say. And he goes, you know, it is what it is. You're on your own. I just felt like this shit was driving me crazy. And she says... Were you worried about my feelings when you broke up with me, when you didn't want this anymore? And he's like, of course I was. And they're going back and forth. And she then picks up the phone, takes it off speaker. And she's like, I have questions. The whole year that we weren't together, now you want to give it a shot? What about the time? Don't treat me like I'm a fucking idiot, okay? You don't text other fucking whores, what's up? It's still something. What's up is still something. Why would you say what's up unless you had an intention of talking to her and starting a conversation? I don't want to bring up old shit, but I do want you to know I really love you. I've spent so much of my time with you, but there's a lot of resentment right now. And I was like, wait a second. I totally forgot about this. Because keep in mind, this wasn't actually a plotline. Like you said, Reggie wasn't on the show for this. The most we get of him is just a call on speakerphone for half the conversation.
1: And the thing with this scene is almost Reggie aside, because I couldn't believe that Kim had such an intense and intimate call that she put on speakerphone for the show. And obviously not to get into the Variety article, but there's one part in it where they talk about how the openness of the show kind of changed over time and specifically after Kim's robbery. And this to me was the clearest example because in current day, Kim would never put this kind of a phone call on speaker, I don't think.
0: Well, it kind of ebbed and flowed for Kim because Obviously, after this, we see her marry Chris Humphreys, and she really showed the good, the bad, and the ugly about that relationship. Not only with her conversations with him, but also the behind the scenes of her crying to her sisters and her family about kind of hating him and realizing that the whole thing was a mistake. But then you see Kanye, where even when things were great, we saw a lot less of him. And I don't know how much of that was Kim's doing or Kanye really not wanting to be on it, but absolutely, I think her relationship with what she felt comfortable sharing changed because she's been very open, but always with the relationship stuff, it's been a little bit different than with Courtney, for example.
1: Right. And timeline wise, the difference between Chris Humphreys and Kanye in terms of sharing that also lines up well with what she said about not wanting to be as open after the robbery. But I also think that it completely changes once you have kids. And that's probably the biggest factor of all of them. No,
0: I very much think that that's the case. Also, just going back to this particular episode, the other thing we see happen with Reggie, which I guess could be considered a little bit more petty, is him and Kim go to the same car wash and they have the same car. And so the guy accidentally charged Reggie for Kim's car wash. And he texted her basically furious saying like, you know what, Charge that to Miles Austin. Not, of course, not that he cared about the money for the actual car wash, but he was so, I think, pissed that she had moved on so quickly, specifically with somebody in the NFL. And you see, when she's in the car with Lauren and Chris, she's really pissed. And she basically, at the advice of her friend Lauren, sends Reggie a text that says, All I ever wanted was to spend the rest of my life with you. I wanted a ring to unite us together forever. But after reading your mean words, I'm so glad that never happened. The real you has come out and it makes me sad. And Lauren types that out for Kim to send, but Kim's totally on board. She likes it. And I'm just like, this is so wild to me.
1: Well, this was a lesson that Kim kind of learned at this point in time. And it's now relearning with Kanye, which is the breakup and how the person you're with acts in the aftermath is really the most telling thing about them. Kim, I think, has this moment of feeling so validated in her decision making in terms of not wanting to be with Reggie anymore. And I think up until this point, she was maybe questioning it. And like, that's why she was holding on to the idea of should she be dating a football player? Is it rude to Reggie? And then to see how he reacted to her. I mean, she knew she had made the right decision. I think she no longer had that care in the back of her mind as to how this was going to affect Reggie.
0: Right. And I think that it's because, like we were talking about earlier, nothing crazy happened in their breakup. It's not like a Chloe Tristan situation where he was cheating on her left and right and was just so deeply disrespectful. She didn't have a hatred towards Reggie in the slightest, and she still doesn't even in this scene. But it's just she would have never seen the side of him if it wasn't for – honestly – Forget about her dating someone else if it wasn't for her dating another football player because clearly it triggered something in him. And I think she was really turned off by the way he handled it. And you know something? In the scheme of things, it was actually good because it helped her to lead her best single life, which we see, as we'll get into, in episode one of Courtney and Kim Take New York.
1: If she had to watch this back, obviously the way that Reggie was handling all of this and the things that he was texting her is not something she would ever want to relive again. But I totally think that in terms of helping her move on and specifically helping her move on to that single phase of her life, it was only additive. I mean, it's actually interesting now that I'm thinking about it that she ended up with Chris Humphreys after all of this because I feel like her takeaway from the Reggie situation should have been like, okay, I have to wait until I know that it is 100% right for me because I cannot go through this again. And so for her to jump into this with Chris Humphreys after not being 100% sure about him, I'm just a little bit surprised about that.
0: Yes, but as we've discussed a million times, she could not handle the fact that Chloe and Lamar were so serious, Courtney and Scott were so serious, and she was single. So, I mean, we've talked about that a million times, and we'll talk about that again, I'm sure, but that's so clearly the pipeline that got her to Chris. <music> Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Just going back to Miles Austin for a second, because basically what happens is they go to New York, they have this great time, and it eventually ends up not working out, which we'll talk about. But just for a moment of happiness, something that Kim says is that, you know, she's self-aware enough to know that Her sisters don't consider her that fun. She's definitely not the fun sister. She doesn't like to go out that much. She doesn't like to drink. And it was different than the way that they like to kind of party. And when she's with Miles in New York, she's like, I'm having so much fun. She's like, he's really bringing this side out of me that is so much fun and so carefree. And we know it doesn't end up working out. We'll talk about that in a second. But I have to say, I loved that side of Kim in a very different way. And obviously, my feelings on her and Connie have changed drastically. There was a part when she was with Connie that I, Loved as well because she really was so carefree. You know, she really got to internalize his mindset of like, fuck it, just do what you want, don't care what anyone else is doing. And, you know, that has changed. But just to go back to Miles for a second, she was feeling that and it felt good to watch her
1: feel that. That's a behavior with Kim that you can observe when she's at her absolute most comfortable. And so with Chris Humphreys, you didn't see that often because I never felt that she was overly comfortable. I mean, that was so evident in the trip to Bora Bora when she loses the earring. And she's a little bit uptight that whole trip. And when she was with Miles Austin on this yacht and they're partying and they're having so much fun, you can tell she's comfortable and carefree. And there's such a shift in her personality. And something with Kim is she kind of has that thing where because she so rarely lets herself have this type of fun, it's so exacerbated in these moments. It's kind of like when somebody isn't typically funny, but every so often they say something funny and it carries so much more weight and it's 10 times funnier because it's so unexpected. And that's what it is with Kim. And you saw that at a lot of different moments in her relationship with Kanye, particularly in the beginning where you could tell she was kind of her most carefree, comfortable self. And even with Kanye, when there were these moments of her, shooting into mega fame and her and him kind of coming in and changing her closet and her taking her career a little bit more seriously. It was matched with these moments of just fun and levity. Totally,
0: totally. And, you know, Clearly, in a scene or two, we see what ends up happening with her and Miles, but I wanted to point to a moment that I found was interesting because when they first get on this yacht and they're having fun and there's a lot of paparazzi and Chloe can kind of tell that Miles is feeling slightly overwhelmed, as can Kim. Kim says it in her confessional, but Chloe hands him a drink to kind of chill him out. And Lamar is there and Kim asks Lamar what he thinks of Miles and Lamar says, he's really down to earth. You don't get more down to earth than that and Kim's like yeah you know but he's a little bit overwhelmed and Lamar says but he should be it's not normal he'll get used to it just like he gets used to catching a football and getting hit in front of 60,000 people and i found that moment to be really interesting because i kind of was thinking how in that situation Lamar and Miles were in a very similar setting they're both dating a kardashian yeah you could argue Kim was more famous than Chloe but still they're at very similar fame levels and they're both athletes on really large scales. So for Lamar, who's very famous in his own right to say, this isn't normal, this type of attention isn't normal. And even for him, he can relate, you know, Miles catching a football in front of 60,000 people to him making a layup in front of however many people. It, It was like a, I don't know, it was more insightful than any other person in the family at this moment being able to understand what it could be like.
1: Something about you saying making a layup is so hysterical. I can't explain it to you.
0: I was laughing as I said it, like as I as it was coming out of my mouth. I was like, "Is that what it's called?"
1: (laughs) Did you feel like your body was rejecting it? Like I feel like you weren't. You almost weren't sure
0: that that was the right word. I was one hundred percent not sure that it was the right word, and actually, I was gonna say dunk, and then I was like, "This, you know what? I have to just stick with one, and then just never mention it again."
1: Hilarious. The thing (laughs) going back to Lamar though is that. It was this moment, I think, where I was reminded how much I appreciated his position in the family, especially in the beginning years, because it was a role he took really seriously. It wasn't just like he had this unique understanding of what it was like to enter this family at this unique stage of their lives, where Scott, for example, didn't have that. He was on the ride from day one. And so Lamar obviously gets to Bring that piece of insight to the table. But also, Lamar really took on the job of protector of the family. It wasn't just like he was looking out for Chloe. He really felt like, at certain times, one of the men of the family. And therefore, he really took it seriously. And so, it's not just that he felt like he had to explain Miles' position. It was like he saw somebody who seemed down to earth and seemed like somebody Kim would mesh with. And therefore, he wanted to give that advice in order to see this through. It was like, I want somebody for Kim that's down to earth and that can respect her. And therefore, I am going to give the advice in order to make that possible.
0: Yes, Julie. I completely agree with you. And we say a lot how Lamar was such an integral part of this family, but that's why I loved this one scene. It was short and it was brief. And if you don't follow the family, you probably think that it was a throwaway comment, but I'm so on your page. It was more than that. It carried more weight because it showed how Lamar was vetting these people. You know, Anybody that came through the doors, you're so right. He felt a sense of responsibility. And as I'm saying that, I, I fully agree with myself and with what you just said, but I'm also conscious of like how crazy is it that this was his role that he was so proud of it, and then what happened happened. You know, it's like the more you know Lamar in these amazing years, the more you can't believe that he would betray Chloe and the family in the way that he did. But of course, understanding that the story, you you get it more and you understand it, the full picture of it. But it, it's just really, really sad. And sorry, not to go to, so off topic. I know this isn't about Chloe and Lamar, but even going back to his comments when he was on Celebrity Big Brother, it's like, yeah. A million times over, I don't think that him and Chloe will or should ever get back together. I think the damage that was done is probably irreversible. But I do understand how badly he wants to get back in that family because I think there's so many conversations he wants to have.
1: Yeah. I mean, just going back to that point that you made about how it's so unbelievable that what transpired did, because I often feel the exact same way. And I think that it's a really Important and really big lesson just in terms of addiction, and how I don't think this was something in the slightest that was in Lamar's control. And it obviously got out of hand and it obviously derailed this entire relationship that he had. But I mean, if he was choosing between the two and it was a choice, he would have never chosen for things to go down like that. And I think that's why, in this current stage of his life, he is talking about Chloe so much on Big Brother. And I don't get the vibe that he's just using for that level of fame. I really get the vibe that he's kind of sitting with this regret and understanding of what he lost. And from day one that Lamar entered the family, he took on that role as part of the family. It was something he took very seriously. Rob became his brother straight off the bat. Chris, he accepted in that role of mom and not only accepted it, but craved it. And also a brother to the other siblings. I mean, really protective over them. And so, yeah, it just goes to show that the way that this transpired obviously should never have gone down. But in Lamar's mind, I think that if he had to do it all over again, he would change every single thing. And that's a really difficult thing to live with. And I understand why he wants to talk to them so badly because to be sitting alone with that regret and not be able to share that and not be able... To reconnect on some level only makes it worse.
0: I know. And it's like, we watch these episodes and there'll be scenes with Courtney and Scott. Like we saw in this episode and we see in the next one where you really go back to that point in their lives and you're transported back and you're like, oh, I just wish they could be together. But then you snap back to reality and you're like, you know what? No, everything happens as it's meant to. She is so in love and happy with Travis. And once Scott finds his forever, we're going to be like, this is how it was meant to be. I'm telling you. I never feel that way about Chloe and Lamar. It's like, yeah, I still don't think that they should be together, but when I watch those scenes and when I watch these scenes, I am so drawn back to it. And I think it's because we've never seen Chloe have a love that mimics that. And not that Courtney and Travis mimics what she had with Scott, it's completely different, but you can see how in love she is. Like, you feel that same feeling you had when she was with Scott in the earlier days you feel that with Travis we've never seen Chloe feel that and it's like you just want her to have it so badly so no you don't want it to be with Lamar but it's
1: like god we have to we have to be able to recreate this on some level she deserves it She does deserve it. And that's the thing with Chloe is that you're always rooting for her. And that's why the Lamar relationship meant so much to us as viewers, because it wasn't just that we loved Lamar. It was that we were so happy for Chloe and this version of Chloe that she was when she was with Lamar. And don't forget, that's how we felt with Chloe and Tristan in the beginning. And even up until the day that we found out that he had cheated on her, We thought this was the perfect relationship for her. And we thought she finally found what she had been missing since she broke up with Lamar. And so that's why the Tristan thing from the first time was one of the most heartbreaking plot points of this show is because we were like, oh, she finally did it. She finally found somebody who she can have the life that she wanted with Lamar with. And so for that to have come crashing down, it made it all the more heartbreaking because you cannot remove the Lamar of it all. And so, yeah, we're still just rooting for her to have that. And I think that of all of the members of the family, we want that the most. Obviously, with Courtney, we want her to be happy and we want her to find that. I think there's a different commitment as a viewer to Chloe's happiness than there is to Courtney's.
0: I mean, I can only speak for myself, but personally, there is such a difference in the level of commitment that I feel to Chloe's happiness. Forget about Courtney, than I do to anyone on the show, than maybe right. honestly any other celebrity. Like I just think that Chloe is, yeah, Chloe's just so open with her heart. She's so willing to give her heart to people, both romantically and also just people that she loves. And it's like as a human being, anybody you see like that, you just want that to be given back to them. So yeah, I mean, even if the Lamar thing never happened and we never got to see that love story, just the way that Chloe treats people, you want her to be treated like that.
1: That's exactly correct. I know a lot of people can make the argument of like, well, you only feel that way about Chloe because she's been burned so many times. Yeah, of course, but it's not a pity thing. It's not like I want this for her because I'm just so upset and I feel so bad for her. It's not that. I think she just is so deserving and wanting of it. And it shapes the whole conversation. Chloe could have never been hurt before. And I still think that I would feel this level of commitment to her happiness because that is the energy she puts out into the show. And that's the Chloe that we've seen for so many years. And so, yeah, of course, the fact that she's been hurt so many times adds that added layer. But I think regardless, everyone is kind of unanimously in agreement that they're always rooting for Chloe. I don't know. It just she'll always give off a different vibe to me than the rest of the family. And I love all of them. There's just a difference. I don't know how to explain it.
0: No, there is a hundred percent a difference. I will die on that hill. And it's forget about like remove the Kardashians from it. I'm talking about in terms of any celebrity ever. It's not that Chloe is my like number one, but I feel the most like. I root for her happiness in the way that I would root for my friend. And I can't say that about everyone. Of course, you know, generally you wish well for people. I mean, if you're a good person you and you believe in karma, typically I think that that's how most people are, but it's so different with Chloe. It's like when she gets hurt, I feel the same way as I would feel if one of my friends got hurt, which may sound weird. I don't really care if it does. I, I don't think it's that weird given how much of her life she's shown. It's a whole other conversation. But I wanna get back to this episode because basically the next day after this night out, Chloe tells Kim that Miles told Lamar that he was just really overwhelmed and the whole thing was weird for him with the paparazzi. And Lamar said, You know, this is just what happens when you're with these girls. And Kim is saying in her confessional that she doesn't want to repeat the same problems that she's had over again and she really needs somebody who's comfortable with the craziness. And Kim says, Miles doesn't have to be comfortable with the paparazzi, but I hope that he doesn't let it ruin our relationship. Obviously, as we know, it does and it ends. And it's sad, but also, I feel like this was a healthy fling for Kim because she very clearly saw where her priorities lied. And as we said last week or two weeks ago, she wasn't changing her path. It was always like either the guy is gonna be able to get in line or it's not gonna work out because in no world was she going to actively try to be less famous just to make her relationship work. And even with Chris, it didn't work out for other reasons, but also one of it was because of what came with being with a Kardashian. And she was like, well, then you're just not the guy for me.
1: Right. And that's one of the things that I admire most about Kim is her commitment to that and the fact that nothing was going to get in the way of her being famous. And I also think it's the thing that tends to get her in trouble the most. And the thing with Chris Humphreys, just going back to it, and I really can't wait till we watch these episodes because we see a whole different side of Kim and there's so much to analyze there. But it, it seems so crazy to me that That was something that even transpired because he did try to dim that light and dim that fame. And remember, there was that famous quote that he had said to her where they're talking about how he wants to move back to Minnesota. And she's like, I'm not living in Minnesota. And he's like, Well, in 10 years, no one's going to even know who you are. And the fact that this relationship continued after that sentence was even said, and the fact that she was with somebody that was even capable of looking at her in that way. I mean it boggles my mind but then again you see the butterfly effect in terms of her next relationships and kind of that overcompensation and overcorrection because with Kanye she was then with somebody who saw the utmost potential in her fame that wanted to lift her up in that way and wanted her to be as famous as humanly possible and so every single relationship i feel like we talk about with kim is her taking on something that she learned from the last and i don't know if we always see that with all of them like Obviously with Courtney and Travis there's a lot of things with Travis that she didn't have with Scott, but I wouldn't say that I can pick at multiple things where it's just a continual overcorrection specifically with Eunice I couldn't.
0: Oh no, I I definitely couldn't. It's so different though. You cannot compare any of Kim's relationships to any of the rest of them and honestly, I mean Kanye as forget about him as a person, any of his personality traits. I'm talking just him as a celebrity. It was a different type of celebrity than any of the rest of them. Like, yeah, Lamar Odom, one of the greatest basketball players, super famous, fine. Travis Barker, one of the greatest drummers of all time, very famous, yes. There's nothing like Kanye West at the time. When they started dating, where the family was then, that infusion of just like fucking celebrity was different. And that carried a lot of weight with it, you know, because it wasn't just that Kanye was so devoted to building him up as a celebrity and almost as his muse. And in a lot of ways that was controlling as we've discussed, but it was also the fact that the family took such a cue from him. Like I'm not saying that the family was starstruck by Kanye. That's not at all how I feel, but there was almost a level where they understood that he kind of quote, knew what he was doing fame wise. And which is just a different dynamic. I don't know. You just can't compare. It's not only because of him and his fame, but where he was in comparison to the rest of the family when he came along. These last few years, you know, these last, what, seven or eight years have been completely transformative for them.
1: Oh, I mean, in its entirety and kind of almost transitioning now into Courtney and Kim take New York to go to that scene where Kanye comes into the store. I think there was an element there as well on top of everything else, which is like, I am like, as Kim, she's obviously so famous, but Kanye was a different level of fame, as you just said. And so the idea that Kanye was seeking her out rather than the reverse, I think that was one of the most flattering things that Kim and the entire family could possibly experience at the time, especially because in terms of being, quote, reality stars, they were regarded very, very differently. And they were at a point in their career where it's not like they were fighting for fame anymore. They had that. They were fighting for respect. And so for Kanye, who at the time, as controversial as he has always been in his career, was respected as somebody who was just a mega, mega celebrity and was kind of the pinnacle of fame, for him to want to take... I know it sounds weird, but for him to want to take the family on I think was a level of flattery that they hadn't experienced in the industry yet.
0: I know. And it's like as we're having this conversation, I'm cautious of making it very, very known that no part of me feels that Kanye West is the reason for the Kardashian success. Like let me make that abundantly clear. Kris Jenner is a mastermind. Like Kris Jenner made this happen. But that can exist with also the fact that everything you just said I think is true. I really do. And I think that they would even admit it. It's hard now to have this conversation because of how negatively we view Kanye and how like, mad I am at him for what he's put Kim through and the, just the disrespect he's shown the mother of his children. And I have a lot of really negative feelings on him. And I, I no part of me actively wants to sing his praises. Just as an objective acknowledgement, I do think that that was the case. But going to this episode... First of all, one thing I want to mention from last one is that when they go to New York, they go to the Hamptons and they are in Scott's home and they're going through Scott's baby books. And that was really emotional just to to get to watch them relive that and then to spend more time with him and his parents. Cause as we know, they unfortunately passed away way too young and way too close together. So I just wanted to make that acknowledgement. But in this next one, you know they're in New York and they're having the time of their lives. And this is the first time Kim's ever been single really. And so you're watching Kim kind of date and like, it is so crazy. Yes, she's changed and she's evolved over the years, but there's this one scene when she's at a club with her friend, Carla, and there's a guy there that she knew from years ago and she sees him, but she doesn't want to go up to him. And Carla ends up going up to him to kind of bring him and his friend over to them. And you see Kim is so embarrassed because she has so deeply internalized this mindset of like, I don't chase men, men chase me. And even the fact that Carla would go and make conversation with these guys to bring them over was something she could not believe. She was like, this is not how I operate and you're kind of cramping my style. And I swear to you, I I just think that is exactly how Kim would be now if she was ever, hypothetically speaking, in this club situation, not that she would be.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I mean, listen, I don't think that everyone should have to operate with that mindset of I don't chase. I think that there's situations that are very specific. But in this situation, I have to agree that if you're Felix from One Tree Hill, you should be coming up to Kim. Kim should not have to have you come over to her.
0: Yeah, but it was just funny. Like, even when after the guys come up to her and they're talking, whatever, they walk away and she's talking to Carla about it. And Kim literally says, I don't want them to think we're talking about them. Let's just laugh. Let's just fake it. Like, she's so aware of those little details, which I always relate to her in that because I'm that same way. Like, I, when, for example, if I was sitting in that situation, we just talked to those guys and they walked away, I would be very conscious in making sure that like my conversation with my friend didn't look like we were talking about it. Like just these little details that she is more focused on. Whereas Courtney, for example, I don't think would even be thinking about that. But it's just interesting how, yeah, Kim's changed over the years. She's not beating a guy at a club, but those things she cares about, I think are very, are very still true to herself today.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Something I love about this episode is that it really explores the dynamic and the relationship between them in the sense of you get so much obviously of Courtney and Scott, which we see from them being in New York and being in Scott's kind of hometown and territory. but then also, you have the acknowledgement of Kim and wanting to bond with Courtney and wanting to kind of revive that relationship that they had when they were little that Courtney and Chloe have more than Kim and Courtney at this time. And also on top of that, you have Scott saying, you know, the last time I was with Kim and we were in this kind of a dynamic, we were in Miami and I was in the worst place in my life. And I want to revive that relationship between me and Kim and make things really great between us. And so one of the major plot points of this spinoff is not just the fact that they're in New York, not just the fact that Kim is single, but just delving into dynamics of relationships across the board. For sure. And the stuff with Kim
0: and Courtney is always interesting to me because even today, I feel like... If we're talking about the three of them, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney, I feel like Kim and Chloe at this point in time are closer than Courtney is with either of them, but there's like a scene here where they're bonding and Kim starts to like play a little rougher with Courtney. She kind of starts hitting her with a pillow and Courtney's like, "What are you, Chloe?" It was so clear. It wasn't like just the viewer was making that observation that Kim was acting kind of Chloe-esque. It was like it was so clear even among them the differences in their dynamics and how like yeah, Kim's just not the one that you're gonna have a pillow fight with, whereas that was such a huge part of the way that Chloe and Courtney kind of show affection with one another. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do wanna conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I wanna introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, so I wanna talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and. I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch ovens, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me, that's huge. And we all know like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples and I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pants. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need, it's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. Going back to our conversation at the very beginning of this episode, that scene when Kanye West walks into Dash and Kim says, Mr. West is in the building. And you see, there's a whole conversation that goes on between Scott and Connie, and they're all hanging out. I need to know, and I'm praying to God that we get this in the Hulu show and we can talk more about this on Monday. I need to know the state of Scott and Connie's relationship at this moment because I know it was one quick scene and it was not indicative of necessarily their relationship, but you can see they had a real potential to seriously have a deep relationship. And I need to know how that was when Kim was married to Connie, and now how that has been impacted since the, since the divorce. I just I'm sorry Julie, my curiosity for that has been completely reinvigorated because if you asked me two months ago where Scott stood
1: in all of this was not at the forefront of my mind. I mean, listen, where Scott stands in every situation is always at the forefront of my mind. But the thing with Scott and Kanye is their relationship has kind of been interesting from the start. Like you take Scott, some Jewish kid from Long Island, and all of a sudden Kanye West is his brother-in-law. That is a crazy, crazy turn of events. And so obviously we didn't get to see a ton of their relationship, but I believe there was always this part of Scott that couldn't believe that this was his life, couldn't believe that his kid's uncle was Kanye West, couldn't believe it was his brother-in-law. And so I do, I wonder so much how that's manifested itself today, both in the way that Scott views Kanye and how that has changed in terms of the way that he's handled this divorce and the way that he handled kind of the demise of his relationship with Kim. But also I think something unique about Scott, which kind of matches up with what we were saying about Lamar previously is I think Scott views himself as someone who has to be that comforting force for new members of the family. And especially when things start to go awry with them, Scott's kind of the one that gets to step in and be like, listen, I've been there. This is how I handled it. This is what you know you have to do in order to get through this and in order to be a part of this family. Scott's always had that kind of insight that the rest of them didn't have. And so I'm curious if Kanye is at a place where he wants to help Kanye or if he feels so hurt by what went down that it's like, I'm not getting involved in this. I know. That's what I'm saying.
0: I could see it going a bunch of different ways and I'm really interested by that. And you're right. The fact that's like, yes, literally exactly what you said is the point that I was trying to make earlier. And I don't think I communicated that well of like, at this moment in time in 2000, whatever it was, Scott can't fucking believe that you know, not only is he hanging out with Kanye West, but in a few years, the Kanye West is going to be his brother-in-law. You're so right. It's not. It's not necessarily that he's starstruck. That's not what it is. It's just like, wow, crazy journey we've been on here, huh? Like when I came into this family, we were shooting at the Calabasas Ranch, and what a difference a few years make. So yeah, just just watching that progression is interesting, and I would love to maybe talk to him about not to not me, but like love to hear him talk about it from that perspective one time because it's it's not something they typically bring up because it's kind of weird too. like They're all so famous now, but just to revert back and think about how they felt in that moment, I don't know. There's so many things. One thing about this family is that we will never run out of things to talk about, and I'm really
1: happy and, and feel very lucky about that. That is true. One thing is that we will literally never run out of questions for them. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we love you guys. We will be back next week. Next week is normal schedule. Everything was just delayed one day this week. Honestly, there wasn't, I know some people said that there was something going on with Spotify. That wasn't the reason. It was literally just my dad's 70th birthday and all day, Sunday and Monday, we were just planning for that and and putting that together. And then it was his actual birthday yesterday. And it was too important to me. Like I I just, I felt like everything could wait one day. He only turned 70 once and (laughs) he's my only parent. And I just like, I wouldn't have taken that back. I know it was kind of stressful to do everything a day later, but don't you feel so lucky that we got all that time with him?
1: Are you kidding? I mean, I was just going to say, because what podcast hosts don't delay their episodes for (laughs) one of their dad's 70th birthdays? But I mean, listen, it was, he was so happy and I was so happy I would have delayed this podcast a million times (laughs) over to be able to do that again. Oh my God. I'll never get over it. Like, oh. Guys, he was so happy. He was
0: literally so happy. I can't even explain it to you. The exact way that I envisioned him to be smiling like that. Remember I said to you like the day before the party, I was like, that's all I'm looking forward to, just him sitting at the table, literally beaming. And that's exactly what he was. And thank you all for your patience this week because it was really, really important to me to be able to celebrate him in the way that – I wanted to. And honestly, that we wanted to. Julie, is like, Julie and Isabel are literally parts of my family now. Like All of his friends after the party were like, they texted me individually because some of them, it was their first time meeting them. And they were like, your friends being there was so additive. And that's how I felt. Like You guys were literally a part of the night. It, oh my God. I'll never stop. I'll never get over it. I'll never ever get over it.
1: I know me either. Wow.
0: Okay. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this and we'll see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.